store shelves are empty and people are panicking. Events like sporting events and concerts and conferences are being canceled. Schools are shutting down and universities are sending uh, their students home. Travel bans are appearing. And buying toilet paper has become a life-threatening experience. You know, churches all around this valley and indeed across our country have had to cancel services and try and figure out what to do. And I can tell you that we have been scrambling. It has been such a wild ride. You can just imagine how many adjustments we've had to make this, this week. And all the time we've been asking ourselves, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, we have choices. We can ignore it, right? We can call it a hoax. We can cover our eyes and our ears and pretend that it's just going to go away. On the end, other end of that spectrum, we can react to it, and we can go out and purchase as much rice and beans as possible. We can start to hoard hand sanitizer and toilet paper and await the end of the world, or we can respond to it with the good news. And I think you already know what I'm going to be talking about today. I want to let you know that today we can't project every decision that we have to make. We have a lot of information to gather right now. I can tell you that for this week there will be no, no meetings on our campus uh, because we're trying to figure out uh, how to respond to the ban and what our parameters are. Uh, we're going to keep you posted, so it's really important that you stay connected with us online, check your email often, look for uh, uh, announcements on your social media platform. It's also really important for you to continue to give. And we're going to put something out this week uh, that'll be especially helpful for those of you that uh, don't give um, electronically. We'll tell you how to do that, and we're, we're totally available to help you uh, figure that out if you have questions. And of course, it's really important for you to pray for us. And you know, I have to tell you guys, it has been so encouraging to hear from you this week. Many of you have texted me or emailed us or even responded on some of our social media platforms and told us that you're praying for us. That means so much to us. And speaking of that, let's just take a moment and pray together. God, we are in uncharted territory here in this valley and in this country, and we're seeking your face as people. This is an unprecedented event that churches would close. It's never happened in my lifetime. And so, God, we desperately need you, but we are not panicking. We know what we stand on, and we know that you're steadfast and reliable. And we're asking you to show up in our lives. We're asking you to show up in our church and in our families and helping us to figure out what is going to be your will, and your guidance in our lives right now. God, I pray that the things that we share today on this panel would be encouraging to your body, that people would be inspired and challenged to think in a new way about what you're doing in the world today and how you can use each of us and use our church. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as Christians, we have a different lens to look at life through. The Bible tells us that we're not of this world, and so we're not to be conformed to the world. And Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians that because of Christ, we have a different perspective of life. We are not like those who have no hope. 
So number one, we have to remember that fear cannot drive us. We cannot allow the events of today to change what we know about our God, our reliable God. And what we've learned as a staff and as a team is that our past has been informing us right up to this moment. It tells us what we're supposed to be doing right now. In fact, we've been talking about the things that affect this time almost since the day that I came to this church. I remember one of the first series I did was called Domino. And that series was all about how the things that God has given us to experience, the things that he's taught us, are there so that we can tip forward. We can take all of the gifts and the experiences and tip them forward into the next generation. And that's what we're doing right now. In the fall, we talked about uh, what it means to be made whole. And we explored what effect the gospel has on us and how the gospel is reconciling the world and our role in doing that. And even in our current series, in Colossians, we've been talking about what it means to have a Christ-centered heart and what God is doing in us in centering our lives on him, making Jesus Christ preeminent in our lives and how that affects us. We've been talking just recently about how that affects us day to day, that our affections have to be on things above, not on things in this earth, and what that looks like on human beings today. So we have a compass. We have something to guide us. You know, a compass gives you direction. It, you, it tells you where you are, and it tells you how to get to where you're going. Even if you're lost, even if you enter into like now an entirely different topography that you've never seen, it's especially important in that moment to trust that compass. In the fire department, uh, we have a series of 18 situations, we call them. And they are situations in which you find yourself in a wildland fire in which there's extra risk. And so you have to have a heightened alertness. And one of those is you're in country you haven't seen in the daylight. And that's exactly what this feels like today. We are in new territory. So we have to rely on the compass that God has given us. You know, the writer of Hebrews says that as we run this race of life, our eyes have to be fixed on Jesus. Jesus is our true north. And with that in mind, we're going to stand as Sunridge. We're going to stand on our mission that God has given us to help people find and follow Jesus. And we're going to follow through on that basis with our vision, which is to deepen faith, to bring hope, and to live love. I have a panel here with me today, so I don't want to do all the talking. One of the things that you don't get to see as a Sunridge member is the conversations that take place in our office, among our staff, and the things that we share together. And I wanted you to hear the voices from some of the people that are on our staff and have been key players in advancing, deepening faith, bringing hope, and living love. We have Jed, who you know is one of our worship directors, but he also directs all of our staff, and he's in charge of all the new initiatives that uh, we've been uh, involved in at Sunridge. And then you know Bob Santi, many of you. He's our pastor of business and finance, and he oversees way more than that. And then we have Lisa, who has taken us in places that we've never been because she oversees all of our outreach. And so all the ways in which we've been taking the church outside the four walls of this building, she's been the person that has 
is helped us forge those new paths. And I want you to hear from them about what it means to live out our vision in the world today in which we find ourselves. So Jed, why don't you take it away? Man, thank you, Britt, so much for that. I, I know that I'm incredibly nervous and yet excited. I'll just say the nervous part for us because we've been talking about that this whole morning and we really are attempting to rely on God in a way that we haven't before. We'd like to take this moment just to remind you that if for some reason the Facebook live stream is interrupted because of the high traffic on their website, our team in the back who we are so grateful for has been working tirelessly to make sure that this is recorded and it will be available to you online on our website. And so just so you know, that's gonna be there as well. You know, as Britt alluded to, our compass is to help people find and follow Jesus. It's our mission. And right now we remember that finding and following Jesus is something for us to experience all together in the moment in a way as the church that we do that over and over is through our vision. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning, how what we have always said is will continue to inform how we reimagine life at this point. And so I have the privilege of talking about deepening faith, what it means to deepen faith. And as I was thinking about that that word even, faith and deep faith, I asked myself, well, what does deep faith look like? And I started to get a little bit concerned because when you consider that we haven't been in a time like this before, I don't know if I have the answer for what deep faith looks like every single moment. And I got really thankful that our verb is that we deepen faith. I mean, it just assumes that right now what we are experiencing is, is definitely ongoing, that it's not solidified or cemented to a moment or to a reaction, whether it's one of fear or overconfidence, pride, humility, whatever that is. And so I thought it was helpful for me to consider an individual that we see in scripture who is wholeheartedly attempting to follow after Jesus, but shows a very human way of processing faith. So I thought about Matthew chapter 16. It's one that we looked at a lot when I was a kid and Jesus has just entered into the district of Caesarea Philippi. And then he asks his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And then they reply, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah and the prophets. And then Jesus pushes back and says, but who do you say I am? I feel like God is asking us that type of question in this moment. Who do you really say that I am? How does your faith inform who you say and proclaim I am? And Peter, good old Peter, quickly confesses something that to this day we still proclaim when we are professing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. I, that's so powerful to me. And even Jesus himself is impressed. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh or blood, but by my father. I mean, that's, that's crazy. And then Jesus says words that give us the very first time the word church is used in our New Testament. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That's so powerful to me. 
that, that idea that on the rock, not of Peter, the language is different, on the rock of confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, knowing that he himself is the cornerstone, that that is where faith deepens. That's where it's supposed to be informed and sprung from. But what I'm so thankful for is that even though we have this moment of deep, strong looking faith in a few verses, we see Peter collapse super quickly. And Jesus talks about how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer at the hands and be put to death and then resurrected. And Peter, again, this is just a few verses away. He rebukes Jesus and says, God forbid it, Lord, that should not happen to you. And then Jesus's words are, get behind me, Satan, for you're a stumbling block to me. Your mind is set not on divine things, but on earthly things. And I think, man, the juxtaposition there, right? Like bold faith that we still confess all these years later, and then setting our minds on earthly things and how that looks. I mean, that to me is what we do so often with our faith. Yeah, saying it and doing it are different, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> and so I think about the life of Peter and he to me embodies what so much of this of deepening faith for us can look like. As a church, we will have our moments when we confess boldly, but in the privacy of our homes, perhaps as you walk anxiously through the grocery store, or for me, when I was attempting to talk to our three boys this past Friday when they were asking questions, I mean, I could feel the angst. I could feel some fear in me, even though 24 hours before in front of our staff, I mean, I looked like the picture of confidence and I was puffing my chest and I can confess and admit in my brokenness and weakness that I don't look like that all the time. And it's not even helpful for me to think that faith ought to always look that way. As we move forward in Peter's life and in the life of the disciples, we see that their faith, which is supposed to be rooted in Christ, at the penultimate moment, they all fall away. It's like at that time when faith was supposed to be at its strongest, they give up. And again, we ask ourselves, what does it mean for us in this season when we're walking towards something that we have never seen before? You know, for them, the idea of looking or contemplating Jesus being publicly shamed and humiliated and sent to a cross sent them running. It's Peter denying that he even knows this person who he's declared the Messiah, the son of the living God. I mean, how dead does that faith look? So then I remember the last scene of our gospels, John 21, where Jesus has already risen from the dead, and yet the disciples, for whatever reason, are still operating with an uncertainty about what happens next. I mean, Peter, he's gone back fishing. <laughs> what in the world? And when Jesus prepares a meal for him by the shore of the Sea of Galilee, where we, he would have first beckoned to follow after him, he asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You see, faith that's deep isn't just confession. And it's not just saying, yes, Lord, I love you. For Jesus, deepening faith means that we're attempting to trust him when life gets incredibly scary and hard. And the reason why I know for Peter that connected at some point, and this is what I'm going to encourage our church in, is that decades later when he's writing his letter that we have preserved here, the first of two, he's writing to exiled 
Christians who are, are scattered all over because of various types of persecution. And he, he writes out in his own way, a variant of faith, hope, and love. It's just the order's mixed up a little bit. So we think about Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 with faith, hope, and love, but here's Peter's variant of that. I memorized this as a kid, but I want to read it in the nuanced version of the NRSV because I, I memorized it in the NIV, and I think this is a little bit better. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that though perishable is tested by fire may be found result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And listen to this last part. Again, remembering that when Peter writes, he can remember the conversations with Jesus. He can remember those moments. He can see himself still around that fire. He says, although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an indescribable and glorious joy for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, guys, as, as we're sitting here and our room isn't filled with people like we're accustomed to, I think that if there's anything that I would hope for our church to hear in this deepening faith part for us is that we'd remember it's not just about professing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior at some point in the past. But the outcome of our faith gives us access to something for right now. I mean, there's something that we're getting right now. And before we move over to the hope piece, I guess the question that I have for us is, what does it look like for us to be a body of believers who are speaking these truths into another and taking turns? Because we know sometimes our faith will look really confident and then other times our humanness is going to come out and it's okay. That's the part of having real faith is to be able to say, I don't exactly know, but I know that Jesus can handle what I'm experiencing. So if that's what we're called to with our faith, to speak truth to one another, and that's how we deepen, like, what do you, what does that look like for us in this time? Yeah, I wonder, like, for you guys, what do you like, how can we as the body of Christ, even though we can't gather on a Sunday morning right now, how can we deepen each other's faith? What are opportunities in front of us that, that aren't planned and programmed? Can you think of ways that would be helpful to our church? I mean, I just keep thinking so much about, about the end of chapter 3 in Colossians that you just preached on, Britt, and, and that we together let the word of Christ dwell in us mm. richly as we admonish each other and teach each other. And I just think what an interesting picture in this season where we might need to be getting a little bit creative, where we're not going to come and sit here and hear from you teach us. And yet that is our call here yeah. is to be teaching each other. And so that can happen so naturally just in conversation with each other. And, and people do it for me all the time. When I'm, I'm saying things that I know I don't really believe or that don't really speak to the truth that I am put my hope in. And yet 
we have that relationship because we are the family of God and they can speak back to me and remind me of what's true and say, do you really believe that, Lisa? <laughs> Is that really what you're thinking right now? Well, it and sounds so, good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really great every single time. Yeah. Um, but that that's what we're going to be called to in this season is just yeah. a lot of casual conversation. I mean, honestly, just emails, texts. I mean, it's it's that kind of thing. But but those are powerful. They really are. And those yeah. are a gift from God that we get to utilize. Uh, what about you guys? Any thoughts on that? Well, I, I would totally agree. I think in this unprecedented time, I think it's going to create opportunities. The fact that we're doing a live stream right now is pushing us beyond what we were doing, what, what we thought was normal. And honestly, I'm not sure. I've always questioned like a half hour to 45 minutes every Sunday. Is that is that the only way we're deepening our right, faith? We yeah. need to push ourselves beyond this. And and when, when Jed was talking about that, like I kept thinking of, of John 16, 33, where he, he's talking about in this world, we're going to have tribulations. Things are going to keep happening, but we have to find our peace in Jesus. Yeah. And I think this gives us an opportunity as believers to show the world where our peace is coming from. Yeah. You know, I think it's, you know, wasn't it the other day we we're talking about like thinking outside the box and, and it's like, you know, God's in charge of the box, right? Yeah. And so uh, we just have to continue to do the things that have always been part of deepening faith. It's just not, it's, it's not planned. It's like we're so accustomed to like, you know, well, what's the next study for me? And it's like, I think it's both scary and an opportunity for us to think in ways and engage with other believers in a way that we haven't before to, in, in, in a spontaneous way. And I think to be able to champion and cheer each other on, too. Yeah. I, I've thought so often in the last couple of days, because I'm somebody who does spin classes, and so <laughs> the, uh, the number of times those coaches tell you what doesn't challenge you won't change you, and that you mm. have to be uncomfortable, and I'm sure it's the same for lifting or whatever it is <laughs> that you do. And so we can, be, we can be cheering each other on and yeah. reminding each other the only way that our faith is going to be deepened is if we face that challenge, yeah. right? And we go through it, and that's how those muscles will grow. Yeah. Good. Anything else on faith, Jed? <laughs> I mean, I just, I think, I believe, help me with my unbelief. <laughs> I just think that's, that's where I'm finding myself. Yeah. Well, that leads well into my part, yeah. for sure. <laughs> take it, take um, it. Because, you know, talking about bringing hope, I have to start with a confession, actually, and just about hope disrupted because this has been such a week of disruption in mm -hmm. our family. And I know for so many of, I, I'm going to say for every single person, it's been about disruption and um, things that I never, never would have imagined. Our son came home last night uh, from his freshman year um, in college. We put him on an airplane to D.C. In, in August, never thinking that he'd have 24 hours to clear out of his dorm room um, over the weekend and so he's home and that's a big question mark what that means and you know like so many people here we kept getting all those emails from the school districts we have both Temecula and Marietta in our family and so just it was like hour upon hour it was new information and so that disruption of not knowing what was going to come and then now and then being told on Friday that's it they're out of school for a while and Matthew my husband's a teacher and so now he's at home too and then thinking about the to-do list that I made for my work here on Thursday, 
<laughs> none of those things are relevant anymore. Yeah. And so what does what does my role here look like from now on? It those are just a few small examples, but they're they represent so much disruption for me. And I have found something very surprising in this season, which is just this this anxiety springing to the surface over and over again that I would have told you I'm not somebody who deals with anxiety. <laughs> I would have staked my life on that. And yet the changes are so quick and they're they're just they keep coming and every single one I just it's it's just this gut reaction of fear is what it is. And so it is truly revealing to me where my hope has been displaced all along. And again, that's not fun to admit, but there it is because I can't deny the fear that, that I'm feeling, whether it's for my kids, the fact that that's, their future is so uncertain and that I've put in a way, I'm gonna qualify that, of course. Um, it feels, it's showing me that my hope all along was in them playing this game right? Like you get this good education through the Temecula elementary school system and, and you get into this college and you just, you play the game and you get the outcome. And, you know, there's so much, there's so much that I have no idea what's coming now and they're not going to. And so the hope was, was never supposed to be in those things, of course. And yet God is showing me that it was our, our, my, our personal finances or our health care and our health system. And, it's, it's just not the way that it was right now. And yet, I am finding myself so grateful for that because it is God's kindness that is drawing me to him in that. It is his kindness that is drawing me to repentance in, in that way. And that is a gift to me, for sure. You know, for, for him to show me where all along my hope was off, I never would have known that without the last couple days. I wouldn't have told you that my hope was off. And so what a gift. And I keep going back to the, the very end of Psalm 139. Um, that's a psalm that a lot of us memorize. Um, we don't all memorize to the very end, but uh, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my ways. See if there is any anxious way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And that's what God is doing for me in this season. He's testing me and showing me my anxious thoughts and then leading me in the way everlasting. And, and that gets me to the hope piece. The hope is in the way everlasting because all along, the hope is in Christ. The hope is in Christ crucified and resurrected. And nothing else was gonna be my hope. And so when we talk about bringing hope, it is a gift to God, to us, that he is wiping away some of our false hopes, I think. I think I'm probably not alone in that. And that is the hope that we have to offer the world, is the true hope. And when in Acts 1, when it talks about the, um, that we are going to witness, that we will be his witnesses, that is the witness that we have. The only hope that we have is in the resurrection. Um, I've been thinking a lot, so many thoughts in this season, you know, it's just your mind's all over the place, but we happen to be in Lent too. <laughs> Crazy. We're also in Lent. <laughs> and um, in the time of Lent, I often really kind of dial in on Holy Week and think a lot about Holy Week. And I think so often, for whatever reason, my mind is always camped on those disciples after Christ is crucified. And they go and they go and they hang out in a room and they lock the doors out of fear. 
And that's mm -hmm. been in my mind this week because I'm thinking about how a lot of us will be camped out in our houses like the disciples and yet polar opposite of the disciples because they didn't know about the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And we are post-resurrection disciples. And that makes all the difference mm -hmm. to us. And so that is the hope that we have. And it is, it is going to be a clarified hope in this season and a stronger hope in this season than it ever was before. So when we talk about this vision, what a gift that we get to go forward with a stronger hope to bring. And man, we need to bring it. We need yeah, to because this disruption that I'm feeling where I've discovered that I've been standing on shifting sands a little bit, it's been hard. And yet I think about the people that I know, the people that we love, the people in our valley who don't have the hope of Christ mm -hmm. and what that's going to be like for them and the fear and anxiety that they're going to be facing in new and very poignant ways because a lot of the distractions are gone. You know, the sports are gone. <laughs> Everything, all these ways that we had to cope and not deal with some of these major life questions about who am I? What is the meaning of my life? What am I doing with my life? That's going to be right there for them in new ways. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be intentional about being creative. Like we said, for deep meaning faith, it's going to be, it's going to be being up, being create, creative for sure in this season. And we can brainstorm together as a people about what that looks like. Um, but, but our community, the people we love, they need it and they're gonna need it in new ways. And each one of us is positioned, is uniquely positioned. I think one of the disruptions, and I'm almost done, but one of the disruptions was that I was supposed to be at women's retreat right now yeah. and wasn't able to go for different reasons. But our women are there and they're studying in the book of Esther and, and that verse about for such a time as this. Hmm. And so I think about how is each one of us uniquely positioned to bring hope to a fearful and anxious world for such a time as this. That's what I've been thinking about, about yeah. hope. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think about um, at the basic level for me, it's just like, don't, don't get all spun up with everybody else. I mean, that's where me bringing hope starts. It's like, don't get all wound up into, you know, everything that's on the media and, you know, out there. It's like, mm. I have to like remind myself that as a Christian, I have a different perspective. And I can bring that. The hope is portable. You know, I can share it with people. And just looking for those opportunities rather than being uh, part. Well, you know, we say, you know, be, be part of the solution, not part of the problem. It's like, in a way, I think about it like that. How about you guys? Well, well I know that... Um tonight would have been week seven of FPU. And Were you just hoping it would soon be over? No, you know, I'm so passionate about that. And, and when I sent the email um, out this week telling everyone that we weren't going to have FPU, um, it, it, it did bring up some things. Like one, I was hoping everyone would be far enough along to where when this financial crisis hit that they're, you know, that they're gonna be okay. But, but what Lisa's saying is true our hope is not going to be in our finances. Our hope is not going to be in the hand sanitizer. It's not going to be in 48 boxes of toilet paper. <laughs> our hope is in Christ and yeah. what he did. And, yeah. and I think that when this really helps clarify some of those things. Mm. So yeah. that's what I think of when I think of hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Bob, I was thinking about you particularly because you, when I think about each of us having a unique role to play, you have a unique role here at Sunridge <laughs> for sure. I know you're going to be talking about it some with the living love piece. Yeah. yeah. Go for it. Well, then I'm going to jump right into that. So, like for me, tendencies in a crisis are really easy to see, right? Some people are going to go to the extreme. And for me personally, like my extreme is denial. <laughs> I, I was watching all this happen and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking everyone's overreacting. This isn't really going to be that big of a deal. And, you know, a numbers guy, I'm looking at the percentages and, you know, if I'm being honest, it felt like at first this was an overreaction. And um, I'm sure many of our listeners are agreeing with you. Yeah, Bob. <laughs> I, it's true. But but that doesn't mean that it isn't happening and that this is real. And so one of my roles here, as Lisa pointed out, is that I'm sort of like the Toby Flenderson of the office here at Sunridge <laughs> in that I'm trying to identify and mitigate our liabilities. And so when we first got the, the message from the county of Riverside, and that was on Thursday, you know, my head started spinning. What does this mean? And, and I, I could have gone in a lot of negative places, but I thought I'm going to take a minute, I'm going to pause, and I called um, another church in the valley to see what they were up to. And then I also called our insurance broker um, for our commercial package to get some insight, and they were super helpful. Mm -hmm. um, they, they gave me a lot of really good input, and I'm thankful for them. But then Friday morning, um, the County of Riverside gave the order to cancel all essential gatherings of 250 or more until April 30th, and that non-essential is 10 or less. That's a huge impact, and that's when I really started to panic. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going through the checklist of options. Are we going to cancel church? What about Easter? Are we going to disobey this order? I mean, I've started like really spiraling a little bit. And so I called Fritz, our, our insurance guy, and he's the founder of Ministry Pacific. There's a little plug for you, Fritz. Um, they are awesome. And as we were going through all this, he made something very clear to me. And one of those things was that to disobey this order is negligence and that that would put this church at risk. And if there's one thing I am not going to do is put our church at risk. It, yeah for one or two services, I'm thinking long-term. And that's that's the most important thing is long-term, we want to continue to do as much ministry as possible. And and then Fritz said, Bob, why don't you pray? And I thought, well, wait a minute, Fritz, I called you. I'm the one struggling here. Can you pray for me? <laughs> I need answers, not prayers. Yeah, right? It, it felt weird. And I said, okay. And so on the phone, um, Fritz and I, uh, mostly me, I prayed. And while I was praying, it really started, things started to just become clear to me and they were answered and I thought if our vision is to deepen faith bring hope and live love what's the most loving thing we can do right it, it, so whether we have church or don't have church which one of these is going to show the most love and so I started thinking about you know Matthew 22 when uh, the Pharisees came to Jesus as teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And so I would say that when we're loving others, we are basically loving God. It's mm -hmm. a simple solution. And that really helped me. 
And, you know, the, these last few weeks, Diane and I have been going through the Go Eat Popcorn epistles. Galatians. You better explain Ephes- that. Yeah, <laughs> it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And when we hit Philippians uh, chapter 2, it, it really helped me out a lot because I'm going to read it because I think this is super important. It says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm going to be honest. When, when I was on the phone with, with Fritz, and that I, Diane and I had just been through that, it was, the, this decision was easy because I started thinking about all the people at Sunridge especially those who are vulnerable. And I don't want to call out names because there's so many of them. But in particular, I got an email from one saying, hey, Bob, you know, I saw we canceled FPU, and what about church? The thought of this couple getting sick, it's not acceptable. It's mm-hmm. just not. That's not loving. And, and when I can get past my selfishness of what I wanted to do, I don't want to miss Easter. I don't want to... I, you know, I don't want this building to not be filled with worship and, and, and learning how to follow Jesus and how to find him. I, I don't want any of that. But what I do want is us to show love. And so when I can get past myself and I can repent even of those things, like how I felt earlier when this started happening, like it, it changes things. And so this recommendation of us canceling at least this service until we can figure out what to do, this isn't from a panic of me getting sick. This isn't fear of a lawsuit. This is based out of love because I love this church so much. And and when I say this church, it's not this building. it's, It's the people. It's you guys. I love you guys so much. I don't want anyone to get sick. I want us to be a part of the solution, and we're not going to contribute to the problem. And so... For me, that's what living love looks like in this situation. Yeah. But I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. You know what I love about your, your part in this, Bob, is number one, you know, we did hear from people who were kind of like, you know, uh, minimizing the risk. And uh, I'm so glad we have you on our team to investigate that, that there's a true financial risk uh, to this church uh, in, in uh, neglecting a public health order. And so, um, you know, I, when you, when you sought that out or when you found it out, it's like that, that was substantial. That was like a, a click for me. We cannot put not just our liabilities and our assets and the people that are officers here at risk, but we can't put our people at risk. And, um, the, the other part I love about what you talked about is that you got stuck with the love, uh, talk here. <laughs> I think that's great. I, you know, I don't know if that's an insight. Totally ironic. Yeah, yeah. I love it that we have a business and finance guy that has a heart, and uh, so thank you for sharing that. How can we? How can we love our church and love our community uh, during this time? I love Bob that you are looking out for the vulnerable. You know, mm-hmm. I think so much that's that's all over Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, is that God's heart for the vulnerable, and so that that is how we are living love right now, and. 
in terms of outside of this church, I mean, you know, my heart, my heart pumps for that as well. And so I'm thinking so much about the vulnerable in our community and uh, particularly those that this will hit very hard in an economic way. Uh, we have so many of our families, as you would attest to, without a safety net. And this is going to be really devastating. Uh, thinking about even a pause on a job mm -hmm. is going to be devastating for families, particularly when there are now going to be kids at home as well who need childcare. And often those kids are the ones that are getting our breakfast and our lunch in their elementary schools. And so I would just ask us as a congregation to keep pushing into those places where we can be providing food in particular. I know that we heard, I heard from Allison at Community Mission of Hope and um, they are accepting food and they are asking for food. Mm -hmm. um, they are, their resources will be even more tapped than usual with their elderly populations and their families who have more kids at home now. And so they, you can just drop it off. You don't need to worry about anything, contamination or whatever. Just um, please, please do that. That is definitely one right. way that um, I would encourage our congregation to live love for our community. That's great. Yeah. I, I think it's believing that we really can do that well. Mm. I mean, Bob, when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about how you and I, early on in the week, we had tons of conversations <laughs> about this, and our posture is really similar. And I think that living a life of love, just as Christ loves the church, it shows that we're transformable still. I mean, there's just <laughs> so much for all this to transform in. And if you, like myself, and Bob, I'm not gonna speak for you, but again, like myself, have experienced this week repentance in the sense of my mind and my heart needing to change because I definitely was not looking at this in a way that was putting others first. Uh, you know, we talked early on about like, in my mind, those of us who were healthy and young could continue living as was, and those who were vulnerable, we can encourage to stay at home. And it was loving to encourage them to remain in safety. But again, I look at that now, and, and I could find ways to justify it, but it's flawed. It, it's flawed because at the heart of what I'm saying there is I'm still more concerned about my life not being disrupted and it not looking differently. And Sunridge, I hope you hear when you see this audible for this Sunday, it would be so much easier for us to find ways to just keep doing what we've been doing. And quite frankly, we're aware of the fact that it would be easy as a church and many other churches to just pretend like the goal is for you to just hear from us and to get the service that we typically put on. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but for us as a church here at Sunridge, because we are Sunridge and we've always said it is about Jesus Christ and we are following behind him Join us in this, whatever that looks like. Don't give up on whatever we are encouraging one another to do because it looks abnormal or it's not the same or it's not comfortable. Again, like when you think about a time like this, living love means we're not just going to expect to hear from a pastor on stage going through scripture verse by verse or topically or whatever that looks like preferentially. It's that we're actually going to be living testaments and witnesses of the living God. And, and that's, I just have to keep reminding myself that is so much more important and powerful because that strength in numbers piece is, is really real. There are four of us, five lib. I just want to thank you for being here seriously yeah, and being you, able to communicate 
uh, to our deaf community. So there are five of us on stage, and we've got Danny and Andrew in the back. You guys, thank you so much for the work there. But consider all of us who constitute this body here, and we're a part of something ecumenically so much bigger, the Big C Church. And just think about if, if all of us were to set aside our own ambition to just keep things going, to keep the machine going, because we're worried about this or that, I mean, we have stifled the movement of God. Mm-hmm. And for us to truly be, and we talked about this in Colossians, to be connected to the head, and for us to be in concert with him, centered seriously, if there's any doubt or hesitation in you about what it means to be a part of our church, this is the best time to truly be a part of our church. The opportunities abound, and what God is going to do, what the Holy Spirit's going to do, because we are constantly seeking to submit ourselves to him, I just can't, I cannot even begin to fathom what we're going to be able to accomplish together. It's wild. Yeah. Any final words from you, Bob? Or No, I'm good. You're good. You did real good, <laughs> yeah. too, I got to say. Um, I just want to say that, and like we've been talking about, and I think this, you, the church, I'm hoping, will emulate this, is that I've never felt alone in this. And I've had such a great team. This is just part of them that we've gotten to process this together and, uh, and to look at different angles of what, what is God doing? And I love your language, Lisa, of that it's, it's a disruption. So why, do, why does God allow disruption? Is it so that we just stay in our rut or is it to bump us out and to change the way we think? And I, uh, I have to admit that I like a routine. And uh, I'm a systems person, but this has been something that I believe has been good for me and, I'm, and, and our church. And I'm so thankful that I've gotten to do it with you guys. Not just that we got to share these moments online, but that so much of this has been us as a team effort. And I'm just so grateful for each one of you and all of our team that's out there doing other things, retreat or uh, other uh, ministries. Uh, when I... When I started thinking about this, I thought, you know, is this a crisis or is it an opportunity? And uh, that's a good question, right, to ask. And I started thinking, you know, like as a Christian, I should be approaching things differently than the world does. And it got me in this pattern of, you know, there's one way to look at it or this. So like, you know, it started generating thoughts or statements in my mind of like, well, not this way, but that. And I I just wrote some of them down. Uh, We live by faith, not fear. We will respond with generosity, not selfishness. We will shine the light, not hide it. And so then that that got me thinking, looking out online, what other people are talking about, and this whole idea of not. There's, there's, There's a way the world will approach things, but that's not our way. And so I just started looking through the Bible about how often God's word uses the word not. Like the angel at the birth of Jesus said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news and great joy. When Jesus talked about why he came, he said, I did not come for the healthy, but for the sick. I didn't come, I did not come for the righteous, but for sinners. And we know that we are not of this world, right? That's why Jesus said, do not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We know that Jesus does not lead us into temptation, but he delivers us. 
He said, do not store up for ourselves treasures on earth, but store up in heaven. He said, do not worry about tomorrow because each day has trouble of its own. We walk by faith, not by sight. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And like Jesus, we pray, not my will, but yours be done. And we have good news. We have good news for the world because we are saved by grace and not by works. We are justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law. And God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. So, just as we've looked at just a couple of weeks ago, do not set your minds on earthly things. Set your minds on things above, and do not be weary in doing good. Will it be a battle? Yes, it will, but we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this world, and we will not be overcome with evil, but we will overcome evil with good, because the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, and we will not Give up meeting together. The Lord is our helper, and we will not be afraid because we are not ashamed of Jesus or the power of the gospel. It's the gospel that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And just like the first century church in the book of Acts, we cannot stop talking about it. So we will not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition make our requests known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I know that COVID-19 is highly contagious, but I think that God is looking for Christians today who will be just as contagious because we are not afraid. So Sunridge, this week, deepen your faith, bring hope, live love. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this team, for our church, for what you're doing in the world and the opportunities that are arising right before us. And we're shaken up. We, we don't have clear pathways. We're knocked off of our routine. And it seems like that's just the way you want it because things don't happen by accident, not in a Christian's life. And so each of us, in our families, in our place of work, in our financial situation, and the things that we believed about you, we're, we're allowing you. We're saying, yes, you've disrupted us. You've knocked us off kilter. And we want to get righted again, standing on the faith that you've given us and your steadfastness and your reliability. And we want to ask you, God, how do we go forward? What do you have in store for us? We're really excited about that. We're a little scared, but we're really excited to see what you're going to do through us, through Sunridge, through our families, through us as individuals. And we're looking forward to that with great anticipation because we are not afraid. We trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Sunridge, for joining us. We'll keep you posted.